0: Man, I know Pastor Chris stepped away. Pastor Crystal, thank you uh, for having me tonight. I'm just glad to be in the house of the Lord. Amen. Uh, usually, when I uh, minister at, at Cleveland, I—I'm excuse me, Chattanooga. I, I sort of like to do a little icebreaker. I—I I, I kind of been caught up in what I call nursing home chronicles. Uh, I started preaching when I was about 19 or 20, uh, and I started preaching in nursing homes and. And I'm gonna tell you something, if you can preach in a nursing home, you can preach. I'm just saying. So I started there. I, t- I told Chattanooga my, my first sermon in the nursing home was on fornication. And uh needless to say, it was it was different. Uh, but every time I went, it was something unique always took place. And and so uh, you know, this has sort of been my icebreaker, but I never forget one time I was out there preaching, and there was a lady in the in a wheelchair, um, and and she was sitting in her wheelchair, but her wheelchair had, like, these PVC pipes kind of attached kind of all around her. Uh, it was kind of weird. It was like, it was like a cage. I ain't going to lie. It was like a rolling cage. Uh, it was PVC pipes attached, and it was all around, and I thought it was kind of weird, but I thought, well, you know, you know, they know what they're doing. So I got to preaching, and I'm sitting up there talking about the Lord, and I'm having a good time. And this lady jumps up and just starts rattling her cage. And I'm sitting there preaching, and I'm like, what is wrong with this lady? You know, sometimes you just got to ignore the crowd. And she's yelling, get me out of here! Get me out of here! And so I walked up to her, and I grabbed the cage and said, yeah! Like, Paul and Silas, we're going to let you free. She said, yeah, let me free. And so the orderly looked at me and said, Torrance. I'm like, you know, but, you know, and I don't know if that's legal nowadays. Uh, if you work in a nursing home, I don't know if y'all use PVC pipes to hold in your 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 clients, but they did it back in the 90s. Amen. Uh, so I, I, I learned to adapt. So uh, if I can preach in front of a woman rattling her cage in the wheelchair, I think I'll be all right. Amen. Amen. Well, let's go to the word. Amen. Um, uh, quick question. Uh, how many? Let's pray. Father, thank you for this hour. Holy Spirit, I give it to you. Let me decrease and you increase in me. Let my mouth be as a pen of a ready writer. Touch my lips, Father God. Let my words be your words, Father God. Let the thoughts that I think come from your mind, Father God. Let this word bless your people. I know, Father God, as I've studied, meditated, and pondered, and prayed over, Father God, you have blessed me. And I'm thankful for God. Now, bless your people with this word. Give them ears to hear. Give them a heart to receive. In Jesus' name, amen. So, you know, my first question is, how many of y'all have tattoos? It's okay. I got a couple of them. That's all right. Don't not a trick question, okay? All right, praise God. You know, I, I think we all can agree tattoos are communicative. They are expressive. Amen. They are uh, permanent. Praise God. Praise God. Uh, uh, so we can say and we can agree that we have tattoos, or those that have tattoos, did it with a reason, under the impression that uh, it's going to be forever this is this is on me, I put it on me for whatever reason, whatever purpose I'm not here to to talk about that but but those that have them know, and we can agree that that tattoos are creative uh they are communicative. there is a message in many of them they're expressive. Uh, I'm going to talk to you tonight about God's ink. you know God has ink too. His ink is a little bit different it's a little bit uh different in the way it is expressed. But I want to tell you that God's ink is also creative. His ink is also descriptive. His ink is also expressive. His ink is also permanent. I'm talking about his word. God's ink is his word. And there are some things that he wants to say to us tonight that's going to help us understand his word and the fact that it too is permanent. No matter what I think, no matter how I feel, what you think or how you feel, his word is permanent. Amen. Go to your Bibles, uh, to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. Romans 15, we're going to talk about God's ink. When you get to Romans 15, 4, somebody say amen. It says, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we, through the patience and comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. I'm say it again. For whatever things were written before, were written for our learning. Somebody say learning, that we, through the patience and the comfort of the scriptures, might have hope. We live in a day and age where we are saturated. With voices. We have information overload. No matter where you go, no matter where you look, there are voices, there are influences everywhere. It is an overload of information, uh, saturation, everybody got knowledge, everybody got something to say, everybody got a word. Information is all around us. Uh, we, we've even flown into this thing I like to call ideology and intellectualism. Intellectualism basically is where we choose reason over knowledge. How many of y'all know people that are so smart they're stupid? Come on. They're they so deep, they're too deep. They're, they're very intellectual, if you will. Like I said, they're so intellectual, they choose reason over knowledge. I had a guy tell me one time, we were standing in, in a place, and he looks at the wall. He says, Torrance, what color is that wall? I said, it's white. He says, no, it's not. I said, yes, it is. The, the wall is white. He says, no, the wall's red. I said, look, I said, what, do you, what do you want? He said, no, no, I want the wall to be red. Okay, but it's not. It's white. I heard somebody on TV say one time, he, the, uh, the guest was on his TV show. He asked the host. He said, what's 2 plus 2? Y'all know what 2 plus 2 is? That's what I said, four. The host said it's four. And the person said, no, it's not. The host said two plus two is four. He said, no, two plus two is what I want it to be. I said, that is the stupidest thing I've ever heard. People choose reasoning over knowledge. It's it's what I want it to be. That's the day and age that we live in. When it makes clear sense, they make it make no sense. Information overload, man. We have created TV shows, radio, podcasts, social media platforms for voices to be heard. Everybody has something to say about everything. I cannot go a week just having a normal conversation. It goes way in left field with some folk. You know, I grew up in a time, you know, when I say that, that, that people got an opinion about everything and people change. You know, I, I grew up in the 90s. Any 90s babies? Oh, yeah, I grew up in the 90s. I'm going to tell you, it was different in the 90s, amen? Uh, the generation now, we still praying. we still praying. They're not they here. They in here. Ro- y'all can laugh. they in another the room. This generation, we, I grew up in the 90s. You know, I can remember me and my brothers used to work out. We used to pump some weight. We'd be in a basement, lifting weight, and then we go drink a raw egg. Anybody ever did that? Uh, y'all ain't never, thank you, sir. We used to drink raw eggs. We, we, somebody told us. I don't know. Somebody told us it helped us, so we drank a raw egg. Somebody came along and said, y'all shouldn't be drinking raw eggs no more. I said, why not? It's bad for you. Says, who? I feel good. Look at us. Don't, don't drink our eggs no more. That's what they said on the news. Uh uh, uh you know, I can remember me and my son we used to play basketball. We out there playing ball, he calls a timeout, he's I'll be back. I said, Where are you going? Uh going to get a bottle of water. I said, son, just drink out of the hose. He looked at me like I was a cow out of a new gate. He said, Dad, dad. I don't drink out of no. How many of y'all drank out of water hose? Thank you. You're still here. But what, you can't. You shouldn't drink out of the water hose. Why not? Ain't nothing in it but water. I, I said, so wh- where are we getting this information from? You know, uh, uh, you know, there's other things. You know, they say don't eat microwave popcorn no more. Okay, some of y'all may not, but I love microwave popcorn. Amen, but they say don't do it. But praise God, we're going to eat it anyway. But people will listen and believe anything that starts with, according to scientists, We hadn't done our own research. We hadn't looked at uh, any type of study, but just because a scientist says something, we take it hook, line, and sinker. How many of y'all know those people that be on Instagram scrolling, and everybody got a video on Instagram, and they tell you what to do, what not to do, and then you go preach it? Come on. Don't lie. Y'all know what I'm talking about. uh, Honey, look at this. Look what I saw on Instagram. Oh, okay, like that's the gospel. But that is what I'm talking about. The overload of information, I am pretty sure that almost 100% of the participation or the attendance in this room has a cell phone, right? You can pick up your cell phone right now and get information that's just on just about everything. No matter where it came from, you don't even go that far. You just saw it on your phone and believe it. I made up my mind, this is me personally, y'all don't have to adopt this. I made up my mind that everything I see on the internet, I don't believe it. It's just me. You ever seen those videos of somebody's recording other people and they want you to make you think it's real? Somebody's recording it, so it can't be that real. It's fake. They want you to—they are perceiving for you to believe something without any evidence that is real. But what we're going to talk about tonight is something that is real. We're going to talk about how real God's Word is. Amen? I've I've come to the conclusion that your attention is the new currency. Your attention— is the new currency. Look, if they get your attention, they can get your money. If they can get your attention, they can get your time. If they can get your attention, they can bring you into a relationship that's not completely healthy for you. All they need is your attention. That's the new currency that we're talking about today. But I want to tell you tonight that we're living in the last days, and these last days, we need truth and love. Amen. We need God, and we need his word. Did you know God is immutable? You know what that means? He can't change. God cannot change. Watch this. Turn to James. Turn to James one19 i nineteen. I'm gonna show you something. God is immutable. He can't change. If he said it, he'll do it. James one, verse seventeen says, "Every good and every perfect gift is from above and cometh down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variance or shadow or variation or shadow of turning." God does not have a shadow. Listen, I know you like Star Wars, but God doesn't have a dark side. He doesn't have a shadow. There is no turning when it comes to God. He is the same yesterday, today, and forever. You ready for this? You know God doesn't get better. He doesn't get worse. You know how some people say God is good. Well, look, he was good before you and I were ever here. He was good all the time. He doesn't get better. He's always good. He's always God. He doesn't get worse. Let me tell you something. When God blesses you, when God heals your body, when God comes through with a financial miracle, that isn't when he's good. He was good before you got the blessing. He was good before you got the healing. He's always been good. He's not better because you got healing. He's not better because you got more money. He's always good. He, ha- he doesn't have a shadow. He doesn't turn. He, it's not like sometimes, you know, I, I'll be honest. I think a lot of times we see God like we, we see natural relationships, uh, relationships with authoritative figures. And sometimes authoritative figure could hurt you. They could say something to make you upset. They could hurt your feelings. And we sometimes look at God the same way. We mess up. God is going to be mad at me now. Let me tell you something. God loved you when you were a sinner. That's why he saved you. God loves you when you got born again. But guess what? He loves you just as much now as he did when you was on the World Senate. He doesn't change. This is his word. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, that's the word. His love is unconditional. You know what that means? It doesn't have conditions. It's not based on circumstances. God doesn't love you more because you repented or you got right. Do you know Romans says it's the goodness of God that brings us to repentance? It's his good. God is not whipping you trying to get you to repent. God says I'm going to be good to you even in the midst of your wrongdoing. And I know that if I'm good to you, that will cause you to repent. That's Bible. I didn't make it up. The goodness of God causes you and I to repent. Lord, I messed up. That's right, son. Repent. What does 1 first John 1 9 say? Y'all know it. If you repent, he's faithfully just to what? forgive you repent he gives us the way out that's his word amen so he tells us my love is agape unconditional i'm laying the foundation he's still with me the word says he says the thoughts that i have towards you are thoughts of what peace and not of evil to give you an expected end let me tell you something god is the same god as he was in genesis as he was through matthew all the way to maps the same god The Bible says, while we were yet sinners, Christ did what? Died. He's good. Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, God is good. And he's good all the time. Amen? We must understand that this is the nature of not just God, but also his word. You know, Psalms 138, and I believe it's verse 2. Psalms 138, 2 says that God even puts his word above his name. Did you hear what I said? Let me tell you, layman terms. It is more important. God said it's more important what I say than who I am. Don't walk out on me now. It's Bible. My word is above my very name. Y'all know what I'm saying? My word is my, that's my bond. If I said it, you can take that to the bank. Amen. I don't know about nowadays, but a few years ago when people said something, they meant it. That's how, if God said it in Genesis, it's the same God that we're dealing with today. The same God, amen. God is not a favor a or favor, a respecter of persons. God doesn't love your neighbor more than he loves you. God don't love your husband or your wife or your children more than he loves you. God don't love the pastor or the ministers or the deacons or the elders more than he loves you. He loves you just the same. He loves your neighbor and he loves you. Amen. Come on, look to your neighbor and say, Nan andy boo, boo. Come on, he loves me too. Come on, amen. So we got to understand that God is locked into his word. Whether he speaks or not, we have his word. Whether you hear him or not, you have God's word. Amen? Uh, I told you before, words coming up meant something. I'm not saying, don't don't get me wrong, I'm not against this generation. I know I've said a couple of things, uh, that's not to offend you, but I'm saying things were different I can remember when I grew up than where they are now. But you know, when people gave you the word, and when they said it, they meant it. They word was about If they said it, they meant it. Um, I can remember growing up, I got a lot of whoopings, okay? A lot. Um, my mom used to always call me silver-tongued, and I never knew what that meant. Y'all know what silver tongue mean? Maybe y'all older generation. It means you got a smart mouth. I had a very smart mouth when I was young, uh, and I paid a, a big price many times for it. But, you know, my mom and dad would always... Say something, and they always kept their word. Uh, when I used to get whoopings, you know, uh, my mom would whoop us and she talking to us while she whooping us. Yeah, anybody know what I'm talking about? Boy, didn't I tell you not to? And I, you know, I can't understand her because I'm getting whooped, but she would talk to us while she whooping us. I told you, give me and I'm and We just taking a whooping, she told us, and because we didn't do it, we got a whooping. And so during the whooping, she reminded us what she told us. I told you, now, my dad, he told you once. And when my dad whooped you, he was like a, a serial killer silence. Come in here. We come to the room. He ain't say nothing. He just whooped us. Now he too told us. He already has said it. He's not gonna say it again. You know you're gonna whoop and he's gonna be quiet while he whooping you. We yelling. I remember one time my brother, we, he, we called him running away, but he went to Target and didn't tell nobody. He was about 8. So we had the police out there, the neighborhood, everybody looking for him. I mean, it was, it was a serious Amber Alert. We thought he was kidnapped. We thought he was gone. So about 10 o'clock, he finally come home, talking about he went shopping for a bike with his friend at 8 years old. So we, we cried. We happy. But me and my other brother knew he was going to get it. So my mom hugged him, my dad hugged him. And my dad just said, uh, tomorrow, when I get off work, you're getting a whooping. And you can take that to the bank. My brother stayed in that room shaking about three hours. And you know, it was three of us. I have a twin brother. And he was he's about 16 months younger than us. So we was like triplets. And we just ate him the whole day. You're going to get a whooping. Y'all know how it is. But you know what? My dad came home before 30, he got off work. He was still in his, uh, he worked at a car plant. He was still in his clothes. He said, TJ, come on. And we knew it. And then guess what, guess what we heard my dad say? Nothing. He just went to whooping. My dad told us, you get bad grades, you get no whooping. Yes, sir. How many of y'all know what I got? Bad grades. All I heard was a belt. Y'all remember the belt rattling? I'm trying not to get on these rabbit trails. but y'all, if, y'all, if y'all were in the 90s, you know what I'm talking about. All you heard was a belt. You knew. It was over. He wasn't going to say much. He going to whoop you. But my point is they said it. Now, regardless how they communicated afterwards, we got the word. And they kept their word. I want to tell you, if anything that you go out of this sanctuary tonight is God will keep his word. It doesn't matter what you go through. It don't matter who you go through it with. It don't matter what you did. God will keep his word. Amen? We have the word. But what you need to know is you need to be able to speak the word. The word on the page comes to life when you speak it. Now, it's alive. Don't get me wrong. I'm not saying it's a dead word, but I'm saying it comes alive to you when you begin to speak that word. What do you do when you are tempted? You better learn how to speak the word. I'm going to show you. Go to Luke chapter 4. Is this all right? Go to Luke 4. We have an example. You know, the Bible says that Jesus was tempted with every point of temptation that man has been tempted with. What that says is everything that we go through with the points of temptation, Jesus went through it. I want to show you something in Luke chapter 4. And look at, start at verse 1. It's a little bit of reading, but I want you to get the context of what we're saying here. Luke 4, chapter, chapter 4 and verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness, being tempted for 40 days by the devil. And in those days, he ate what? Nothing. And afterward, when they had ended, he was what? hungry and the devil said to him if you are the son of God command this stone to become bread but Jesus answered him said what it is written man should not live by bread alone but by every word of God now I want you to know what's interesting it wasn't the devil that took Jesus to the wilderness look at your bible verse one he was led to the wilderness by the holy ghost the Holy Ghost took Jesus and dropped him dead into the wilderness of Judea to be tempted. Jesus is fasting. And just imagine for 40 days and 40 nights, the devil is just bombarding him with temptations. You see, we see the first temptation, the stone, but 40 days, the devil is just hitting him with temptation, trying to get him to fall, trying to get him to sin, trying to get him off of the word of the Lord. 40 days. And after he endured 40 days of temptation, the Bible says, "What? Well, he was hungry. He says, I'm hungry. And the devil says, oh, this is why I got him now. He shouldn't have said nothing. I got him now. He's hungry. says, Jesus, if you're the son of God, go ahead and turn this stone into bread. Notice what Jesus didn't do. Jesus didn't call on the Holy Spirit to come back to defeat the devil. Jesus didn't even call on God to come down and defend him. Jesus went to something that was written in Deuteronomy chapter 6. It is written man shall not live by bread alone notice when he was tempted to fulfill the lust of the flesh he gave him spirit i do not live by bread i live by the word of god how many ever fasted before amen so you have something in common with jesus i call myself fasting today for about four hours it's close to 40 days and, and, and I believe God spoke. But I learned something. A lot of times, Jesus may not say anything to you. But you have the written, the Logos word to lean on, even in your time of temptation. Turn this stone to bread. Jesus said, I ain't. I may be hungry, because the Bible said he was hungry. I may be hungry, but you, Satan, will not tempt me. Tempt me to think that I need bread to live. Now, how many I know bread is good? How many I eat every day? Amen. You you know I I found out that thirty percent, only thirty percent of the American church read their Bible every day. Yeah, you heard right, thirty percent. Now this is a consensus of the American church. Only thirty say they read their Bible every day. Now, don't answer this, but we, we just admit it. We eat every day, don't we? Just about. We, we got three meals, at least two in a day. But can we say we've had our fill of the word today? Uh, I know I've been in your seat a lot of times when church service on Wednesday, I'm good. I'm going to get my midweek word. You need it every day. This is what Jesus is saying. You don't live by You think bread kept you alive? No, it didn't. It's the word. Bread is good, bread, but guess what? You're going to get hungry again. What did Jesus say? You, You who drink from this, guess what? You're going to thirst again. But if you drink of this, guess what? You'll never thirst again. You'll never hunger again if you come after me. Amen? So Jesus said, it is real. Let's go to the next verse. I believe I am in verse, I don't know. But then the devil took him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, all authority I will give you and their glory, for this has been delivered unto me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, Jesus, if you will worship before me, all of this will be yours. But what did Jesus say? Get behind me, Satan, for it is written. Again, second temptation that we see recorded. I'll give you all this. Just worship me. Jesus says, Get behind me. It is written, you shall, not, you shall worship the Lord your God and him only shall you serve. It's interesting. There are a lot of idols. Don't get confused with devil worship only being to something of a little red horned long tailed being that you may be tempted with. That's not what he's talking about. Anything you worship more than God is an idol. Anything that you spend more time with can be considered an idol. doesn't matter what it is. It can even be people. It could be a boat. It could be a car. Anything you spend more time with than Jesus can be an idol. Can I, can I say this and y'all not stone me? Coming to church every time the doors is open, every conference, everything that takes place, you're there, but, yeah, you spend no time with God can be an idol. Woo, that service was, I got goosebumps. Oh, and you and then you go a whole week with no goosebumps. No seeking the Lord. No reading of your word. No time in prayer. But wait till Wednesday. Get my goosebumps back. Oh, that Sunday service was good. Daniel the lions then. Oh, yeah, how he get out? You know, I don't know. But it felt good, shouting about it. That can be an idol. You gotta be careful. This is what Jesus is talking about. You will not trick me into worshiping you, devil. But sometimes the devil is out in the parking lot. And what I mean by that, you drive at home. I love cars, but don't let it be your idol. Don't stay home from church to watch your vehicle. Amen. Come on, I know it's tight, but it's right. Amen. So he goes on to say, Then he brought him to Jerusalem, set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down. For what? It is written. Now, not Jesus got the devil quoting the word. The devil said, For hey, it's written. He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against the stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, it has been said, you shall not tempt the Lord your God. It is written, it is written, it is written. And then Jesus last, he said, not only was it written, but somebody told me I shouldn't tempt God. Let me tell you something. In your times of temptation, God may be Quiet. In your time of temptation, the Holy Spirit dropped you off and left you. Not in a bad way, but in a good way in regards to the fact that you got the Word. You may not hear anything, saints, but you got the Word. You may not feel anything. You got the Word. Jesus is in the wilderness, and there's only two people there, him and Satan. But guess what Jesus had? He had the Word. Amen? Amen. So go back to Romans chapter 15 and 4. I want to show you something. Amen. I want to give you three biblical functions of Scripture. This is Bible study, right? I'm going to give you three biblical functions of Scripture. Go back to Romans chapter 15 and verse 4. And it said again, for whatever things were written before were written for our learning, that we through the patience and comfort of the Scripture might have hope. The first thing that I want to tell you, that the biblical function of the scripture is instructions. The Bible is mine and your instruction for living. The scriptures is for your learning. Let me encourage you saints become a student of the Bible. I'm not just talking about daily devotions. I have no issues with daily devotion. They're wonderful and they're great. But take that devotion into a study. Take your devotion into a word study. Just take one word. Take righteousness. Take love. Take joy. Whatever the word, take take your devotion to a word and become a student of the word. Get into your Bible and study the word of God. I told you a minute ago, we live in a saturated or oversaturated time of a lot of information, but not a lot of study. I'm going to be honest with you. The things I'm about to give you right here is just information. It's up to you and I to take the information and make a revelation. It's just, I'm just giving you what God gave me. You're going to have to take it and make it your revelation. And you take this information, pray for revelation, and then you're going to have inspiration. Then you're going to have the ability to walk that thing out. Amen. So the first thing is, it's for instructions. We sometimes as Christians, we get so hungry for the things of God. We're born again. We love God. We want to see fruit. And sometimes when we don't see the fruit we want to see, we begin to create fruit out of our own ideas. We, 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 we want to be taught, we want to learn, but if it ain't happening in our time frame, we begin to lean on our own ideas. We begin to trust our own ways. But stay hungry for the word. You know what a lot of churches do when they go to different cities, when they go to different places, different countries, and they establish a church? You know one of the first things they do when they establish a church? is put a school in it. They put a school. Now, a lot of them put hospitals, medical needs. But they put an educational institute that the church erects and establishes. Why? Because it is important for the people of God to be educated with the word. I went through high school. I barely graduated. And I'm being a little bit transparent. I told you I was hard-headed. I had a, I had a silver tongue. But you know what? I, bar- I did not take education seriously. It almost cost me a diploma. I did not take the word of my parents as, you need this education. I've learned now, for me as a believer, as a minister of the gospel, I need to learn the word. You need to learn scripture. It says everything that was written is for our what? Learning. You and I need to learn, amen? Look to your neighbor and say, neighbor, are you listening? Say, you need to learn something. Amen. It says, when we teach these things, the Bible says, in all thy getting, what? get an understanding. Don't just look at Scripture and be like, oh, that was good. Now, tell what it means. Uh, 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 That's right. Go study. Learn. Don't just take what I'm saying for granted. I'm giving you Scripture. I'm showing you in your Bible. But take what you're getting tonight and go study it. Go learn Scripture. Go get, you know, you oftentimes we think when we read the Bible, we think, you know, we call ourselves getting in the Word. How many of y'all say, I'm going to go get in the Word? How many of y'all said it before? I'm about to go get in the Word. But don't you know the Bible says in, in Hebrews chapter 4 that the Bible is alive, is breathing. So while you think you're getting in the Word, really the Word is getting in you. You think, oh, I'm, I'm getting in you're not, It's getting. And, it, and the Bible says that like in James, it's like a mirror. How many of y'all read the Bible to start to show you you? I'm talking about the real you. That's what the word does. Amen. So we gotta learn, we gotta get understanding about the word. Look at the next thing, it's far learning. That we, through the patience and comfort of scripture, might have hope. So now we understand the second thing is when it comes to biblical function, is the word gives us endurance and encouragement. How many of y'all know we have need of endurance? The Bible says it. So if the Bible says we have need of endurance, guess what's gonna happen? You will find yourself in a situation that's gonna increase your endurance. How many of y'all have children? That has increased your endurance. Praise God. Amen. How many of y'all have co-workers that causes your endurance to increase? Amen. How many of y'all have siblings, husband, a wife? Come on, your wife caused your endurance. Amen. I'm just playing, babe. But Scripture gives you endurance. It gives you the ability to grow. And growth does what? Hurts sometimes. It hurts at times. I always liken endurance. I always use the illustration a lot of times. Uh, I liken it to bodybuilding, lifting weights. What causes muscles to grow, what causes you to become stronger is resistance. You ever seen somebody lifting weights? What's causing them to grow, what's causing them to endure is to resist the weight. And when you begin to resist, you begin to grow. That's why it's so important when you go back to Luke 4, when Jesus resisted the devil, he grew. Because if you look at the end of that scripture, it says that the angels came and strengthened him. And he went on and did ministry right after that. For the sake of time, go back and look after Luke 4. When he got done with the temptation, the Bible says he hit the ministry running. Why? Because he was strengthened. He endured temptation, and now he is strengthened to do the work of the Lord. So the second thing that the Bible does, it gives us endurance. It gives us the ability to resist temptation, to resist our own ideas, to resist how we feel. And it causes us to grow. You and I have need of endurance. We need to grow. Amen. How many of y'all want to be more like him? I do. In order for me to be more like him, I got to go through sometimes what he went through in order to grow. It says it gives us endurance. Excuse me. Encouragement. The Word gives you encouragement. Let me ask you something. What do you do when you can't feel them? What do you do when you can't hear them? I've been there. God just seems to be quiet right now. I'm not, I'm, I'm not hearing anything. I, 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 don't, I don't feel anything. What do you do when you can't trace them? God, where are God, I need you. God, where are you? What do you do when you can't trace him? You go to his word. Because I'm going to tell you something. God is not about a feeling. Now, thank God he gives us feelings. But sometimes when you don't have that feeling, you got the word. When you you can't trace him, when when you can't figure out where he's at or, or what he's doing or what's going on in your life, when you can't find that go to the word. What does the word say? My Bible tells me that he would never leave me nor forsake me. So if I can't feel him, if I can't see him, if I can't if I'm not hearing anything, I know he's still there. You know how I know? Cuz the word told me so. So if God does say anything else to me, man, I got a manual that can keep me for the rest of my life. Come on, say amen to that. You have the Bible to lean on if God doesn't whisper one more thing in your ear. You can go to his word and know exactly. And in his word, he says, Torrance, I said I'll never leave you. I said I'll never forsake you. I will be there to the end. I got his word. Amen. So we need that encouragement. Amen. The word gives us the encouragement that God is still on the throne. He's still alive and well. And that yet he is still with you, and for you. Amen? God is there. The third thing it says, sustainability. Look at the end of this. He says, we, It says, through patience and comfort of Scripture, we might have hope. The Bible, the Word of God, gives us sustainable hope. Let me tell you something. If you don't have hope, we're in trouble. How many of y'all believe Jesus is coming back? That, you know, that is called the blessed hope. We believe Jesus is coming back. The Scripture gives us a sustainable belief, which is called hope, that everything God said is going to come to pass. Jesus is coming back. You know, that ain't preached a lot in all the churches nowadays. Jesus is coming back. That's Bible. He's coming. He's coming. And you know, the Bible says get ready. Because he's coming like a what? Thief in the night. That's Bible. You know what that means? You might not be woke physically. You may be out of the country on vacation. You may be working under the hood of your car. It don't matter. He's going to come when you least expect it. That's what my Bible says. So what does he do? He wants to make us ready because he's coming back. Amen? So the third thing, the sustainable hope. Hope keeps us going through tough times. You ever, going through, you ever went through something that is it, 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 eating you up? It, it, it's, it's consuming your time? It's, it, 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 it's causing you to not eat? It's causing you to lose your sleep? Let me tell you something. You can go to the Bible during those times. I can remember years ago when I couldn't sleep. I didn't think I had insomnia. I didn't, I didn't think it was that extreme. But I just couldn't sleep at night. So I would pull out my Bible, and I would start reading. And every time I read my Bible, guess what? Now, I know what y'all thinking. No, I wasn't bored. But I believe the Bible gave me peace. So if that is you get in your word, and if you go to sleep, it's okay. It doesn't mean the Bible bored you. It doesn't mean it was boring. It just means that the word gave you peace. And the word gave you peace when you couldn't sleep. I'll be reading the Bible and I'll like, the Lord is my shepherd. I know. Next time I know it was like 3 a.m., 4 in the morning. The hours had passed. And I didn't even know I was asleep. Thank God for his word. That's the hope I'm talking about. Doesn't matter what you're going through. The word will give you, Jesus says, I am the prince of, he also said I'm the word. So if he's the word and he's the prince of peace, guess what? If you need peace, it's in him. If it's in him, it's in his. Are y'all with me? It's all about keeping it simple. You cannot get away from the word. You need the word, amen? So we understand that the word gives us hope. I believe it's in Hebrews. uh, I believe it's chapter 14. Don't hold me to it. I'll find it. But it says that our hope is our anchor. Hope is the very thing that keeps you stable. Hope is the very thing that causes you to become unmovable. If you don't think about a boat that has an anchor, when you drop that anchor, that boat ain't going nowhere. That's what the Word does for you and I. The Word makes sure that we are immovable. You will not move me off of the Word. You cannot get me to doubt God. I don't care what it looked like. Y'all know the story of Job. It didn't matter what it looked like. Job said, I'm sticking with God. Took his kids, took his cattle, gave him sick. Boy, all these things that happened to Job. Guess what Job said though he slay me, yet, come on, yet will I trust him. I lost it all, but I'm going to trust him. I don't have no money, but I'm going to trust him. I don't feel good in my body. Trust him. God is a healer. God will supply your needs. Amen. We got to get to the point where we walk out the word. No matter what's going on around us, we got to walk out the word. We got to say, no matter what, come hell or high water, I'm walking out the word. No matter if it looks good, if it don't, it don't matter. Look, the doctor's report is just that. It's a report. But it don't matter what the report is, I'm going to walk out the word. I'm going to make sure that no matter what I go through, I'm going to stand on the word. Again, i I'm broke. God should apply all my needs according to his riches and glory through Christ Jesus. I'm sick. Jesus died for my sicknesses so that I could be healthy and whole. This is in spite of what you're going through. Are y'all with me? My key is cutting up. Listen, train a child up in the way that they should go so that when they are old, they won't depart from the way. Train them up in the way they should go. Anxiety. Struggling mentally. Be anxious for nothing. But by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, make a request known to God. Be anxious for nothing. Don't worry about nothing. I got a lot of fear. I just dread. I'm fearful. God has not given me a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. It ain't based how you feel. It ain't based on what it look like. It's based on the word. I do not have a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and a sound mind. My kids, getting on my nerves. I'm I'm just so mad at them. Son, don't provoke your kids to anger. Father, don't provoke your kids to anger. Love on them. Don't provoke your kids to anger. Love on them. I can remember uh, uh, a few years ago, my, my my kids and I won't say which one. She might say something, she might do something, and I can remember after I would chastise her, or she got a spanking. She said I, re- I never really spanked her. Is what she tell me. But if I ch- if I corrected her. If I chastised her, I would say something like this. Let's go get some ice cream. I did it with my boys too. You know why? Because I wanted them to know no matter how much you mess up, I realized when I messed up, God was good to me. So no matter how much my kids might have messed up, I'm going to be good to them. You know, my kids weren't perfect. Your kids ain't going to be perfect, but you still pay the electric bill. That's it, Johnny. No more lights for you tonight. You you didn't do You still went grocery shopping. You still paid a water bill. At least I hope you did. But what am I saying? You're still good to him. That is how your daddy is to us. You may not have done right. You may not have said right. But God is still good. You know how I know? I don't care what nobody says. God is good. People try to get you in these conversations, but yeah, you see what's going on all around the world. I see it, but my God is still good. So this is what you got to do. You got to begin to walk out the word. You got to begin to walk out the word. I'm not trying to say something as a cliche or to sound good or to grab your attention. But that statistic I gave you that people aren't in their Bible lets me know they're not walking out the Word. They're not walking out the Word. I'm, I'm going to wrap this up if, if I can get the, the, that guy on the keys, whoever. I'm serious about us taking the Word of God and walking it out. I'm not just telling you what you can do. I'm telling you what you should do. Because everyone in this room has gone through something at one point in their life. Everyone in this room is going through something. But what are you doing about it? Yeah, I have nothing against medication. I have nothing against doctors. But I'm talking about the physician of all physicians. Y'all know the woman with the issue of blood. Spent all she had, 12 years, didn't get better until she met the healer. And let me tell you something. When she met the healer after 12 years, the 12 years didn't mean nothing because she now is walking in her healing. She risked her life to get to the Word because she knew and she even said, if I can just touch the hymn of his garment, I will be whole. Let me ask you something. Are you willing to risk it all to get to Jesus? Will you risk it all to stand on the word? Stand to your feet with me. Because here's what it boils down to it boiled down to you and I taking that step of faith. Saying, you know what? I've, I've tried it all. Chris. I've, I've tried it all. It ain't working. I, I met with this person. I met with that person. I talked to my child about this. I talked to my spouse about that. It, it ain't working. I'm not listening. They not listening. What do you want me to do? I've tried it all. I don't know what else to do. It's time we stand on the word. I said earlier, anxiety, Philippians 4, 6, be anxious for nothing. That didn't fall like I practiced it. Be anxious for nothing. How many of y'all deal with anxiety? Be honest. Come on. You know, you admitting it is the first step of faith. I struggle with my thinking. come stand on his word. Don't be ashamed. Anxiety. You've been mistreated. They talked about you. They laugh at you. You know the Bible, Jesus said vengeance is mine. They're going to talk about you. Jesus said if they persecuted me, guess what? They're going to persecute you. If they talked about me, they're going to talk about you. Don't allow offense to cause you to not hear from God. You're going to be mistreated. But vengeance is mine. Somebody come stand on that word. You've been mistreated. You're tired of it. I got another one. The Bible says walk by what? Faith and not by sight. But sometimes... It's hard to walk by faith. You don't understand, Torrance, what I go through every day. You don't understand what it's like in my house. You don't know what I got to deal with. You're right, I don't. But guess what? Jesus does. And I got a word that says walk by faith. Somebody stand on that word. Walk by faith. You got teenagers going away on college, taking the job, moving out. Me and my wife are there. Older son is... In Massachusetts, thousands of miles away. Our other son just moved out, got his own place. Our daughter's going to college. Man, that can get fearful and fretful sometimes. But how many I know that I just give them over to the Lord. I said, Lord, they're yours. I give them to you. You'll keep them, you'll protect them. No matter what's going on. I'm standing on Luke 14. I give my kids to you. I train them up. God, they're yours. My kids may not be the best, but God, they're your kids. I give them to you. Somebody needs to stand on that word, amen. You may not have the finances you want. You may not be where you want to be the financial, but the Bible says God will supply your need. He'll supply your need. Will you trust Him with your finances? Will you give it over to Him? 3 John 1, 2 says that I wish above all things that thou mayest prosper, that thou mayest prosper and be in health even as thy soul prosper. You may not have the money you want. You may not have the, the finances that you need, but you just got to come on up here and stand on this word that, that God got my bank account in his mind. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to trust him. I'm going to stand on your word for my finances. This was, this was good. This, was, this, was, this, was, this hit home for me. Both of my parents passed away due to heart issues at young ages. My dad was 58. My mom was 69. They both had heart problems. And they both passed away too young, in my opinion. Man, I found a scripture in Job that says, my heart is strong as a millstone. God, I stand on that. My heart. You might have heart problems. The doctor told you it don't look good. Your heartbeat is low. It's slow. It's out of rhythm. But come on, you just going to have to come up here and stand up on his word. And you're going to have to just declare that my heart is strong as a millstone. I had a cousin who, his dad died at 40 of heart issues. He approached 40 and got fearful. He thought my dad died at 40. This is my uncle. He says, man, I don't know. I'm about to hit 40 and I don't know. To this day, he's 46. You know why? Because he declared, my heart is strong. It doesn't matter if it ran in my family. It doesn't matter if it's hereditary. It don't matter when it comes to the Word of God. It ain't based on how I feel. But I know the word says my heart is strong. Somebody need to come stand on this word. No matter what your heart condition is. Come on, grief, mourning. I just told you I lost my parents. It wasn't easy. But you know, the Bible says that that beauty for ashes. It gives you joy in the morning. You're going to be okay. You may be hurting right now but you're going to be okay because he'll give you joy even when you're sad. Come on, I'm talking about walking out the word. I'm giving you an illustration, but this is how we got to do every single day of our life. Depression. I try to be careful. Sometimes you call out depression and hands go up. Some people don't know what depression is and they don't want people to know they're going through a depression. Depression. I went through depression. When I lost my mom, I didn't know what I was going to do. I was married. I had kids. I had a job. Everything was going my way. But I had to go through a season where I had to trust God. And I said, even though I have now lost my mother, God, I need you more. I'm not going to suffer from depression. I'm going to lean on Isaiah 61 and 3. I rebuke depression. Somebody come stand on this word. Amen. I, again, you know, it ain't really about you coming up here. It's just about taking that step of faith and just declaring it. It's not just showing me. It's not just showing the person next to you. Sometimes you got to show yourself that I'm, I'm done with depression. I'm done feeling like this. I'm about to come stand on God's word, and I am moving on from depression. Come on, saints. I told you, spirit of fear, 2 Timothy one seven. God has not given me a spirit of fear. I'm no longer fearful. I can drive in the rain. You know, people suffer. They're fearful when it rains. They're fearful when it's dark outside. They're fearful at nighttime. Things have happened in their life. They've been, they've been violated. They've been abused. They've been accused. And they become fearful. But that didn't come from God. That came from the enemy. You no longer got a fear. Stand on that word. I don't have the spirit of fear. I have a spirit of power, love, and a sound, peaceful mind. Mental health. That's a big one nowadays, y'all. A lot of people becoming doctors due to mental health issues that taking taken over a lot of people. But let me tell you something. I want you to go to the doctor. There's nothing wrong with getting your head examined and seeing and talking to people regarding your mental state of mind. But I'm going to tell you something. There is a healer that can touch your mind that no medication can. There is a healer that can heal you mentally. Physically, you look great. On the outside, you look wonderful. You are well put together. But on the inside, you're broken. On the inside, shattered. Hurt. Hurt. Mental state of mind. Can't go to sleep. Somebody got to come stand on Isaiah 41 and 10. I have the mind of Christ. You hear what I said? You got the mind of Christ. I don't have a problem. I have the mind of Christ. I know what my head is going through, but I have Jesus' mind on the inside of me. You know how I know? Because when he died, I died. When I got born again, I became alive in him. I got the mind of Christ. You need healing for your eyes and ears? Come on. Eyes and ears? I ain't seeing none, but I see a lot of glasses. I'm just joking. Eyes and ears, you need God to touch them. Uh, I'll be honest. I have prescribed glasses, but I don't like wearing them because I feel like they make my eyes weaker. That's just me. When I take my glasses out, this is what I look like, y'all. So I said, I ain't wearing them no more. But I'm okay with glasses. But I don't. I said, God, you can heal my eyes and my ears according to Matthew. You can. There was a preacher that preached to heal ears. And the woman came up, got her ears, prayed for. And instantly she was healed of hearing, instantly. And on the way back to her seat, she put her hearing aids back in. The preacher said, wait a minute, why are you putting the hearing aids back in? She said, I paid $200 for these things. Sometimes your glasses may cost a lot of money. The hearing aids cost a lot of money. But there's nothing wrong with casting them aside and saying, God, I need you to heal my eyes and my ears. According to Matthew 13, 16, you might need to come stand on that word. Amen. Here's the most important and last one. Salvation. You may think you've done it all. You may think God can't reach you but he can. You may be in his room, visitor or not, but you need to be saved. You need to be the one to say, Lord, I give my life to you tonight. I've heard the word, I need the word, and I know I have been far away from you. I have not accepted Christ into my life, and I need to. The word says in John 3, 16, and many of us know it by heart, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son for you. That by you believing on him, shall live and not perish, but have everlasting life. It's a popular call. Salvation. Does anybody need to stand on their word? You can say, he's talking to me. I know for a fact I need this word. I know for a fact I need the word. Now, we're going to pray. I don't know if we have a prayer team or, or you got family up here. Can we just surround these brothers and sisters? Can I just get a couple of people to come in agreement? Just a couple. We're not going to be long. It's 830. I'm done. But, you know, some, there's something about unity. There's something about agreement. Just, just, just okay. Come on, We're going to pray. Father, this word, God, we needed it. God, we needed this word. God, your word says, God, that we are overcomers. God, regardless of what's on these papers at our feet, regardless of what it is that we're standing on when it comes to your word, regardless of what it is, Father, we're making a decision that we're going to stand on the word. We have made up our mind tonight, God, no matter what we've done today, yesterday, or last week, but tonight we are making a decision that we're going to stand on your word. No matter what we've gone through, No matter, Father, what has come against us, but every person, everyone in this room, Father God, I pray they take a stance upon your word, Lord. God, I thank you that you're healing us. Uh, Right now, God, I thank you that you're healing us. Oh, God, you're healing us of any hurt, of any harm. God, I pray right now you're healing our children. Even as we pray, God, we have children that need you, God. Oh, we're thankful, Father, that you're touching our children. Even as we pray whether they're in the building or they're far away from you, God. Oh, we pray for our kids, God. We've done all that we know how to do. We've trained them up in you, God, but we declare they're yours. Oh, God, we thank you. We pray for our wives and our husbands. Oh, it doesn't matter what you could be going through, but, Father, we walk by faith and not by sight. God, I pray for my wife. Come on, pray for your husband. Oh, and just declare the word of the Lord. God, I thank you that we are one. I thank you that we are unified. Oh, Father God, I thank you, Father, that we communicate, that we love one another, that we prefer each other over one another. Oh, I thank you, God. No more anxiety. No more anxiety. No more mistreatment. Oh, I'm anxious for nothing. No more anxiety, God. No more anxiety, Lord. They may talk about me, but I'm strong in you, Lord. Oh, I declare it! Come on, pray. Hallelujah. Now, let me tell you this. I'm smart enough to know that things in our life don't happen overnight. It happens over a course of time. We get lazier over time. We we stop following God as much as we used to. We lost that fire. That desire it happens over time. What I'm talking to you tonight about is going to take time. You're going to have to make a decision that every day you're going to stand on the word. Every day. You can, You know how you know sometimes where you're going, whether it's to work. Some of you may know what you're going to wear tomorrow. You know how you pre-plan, you pre-organize, you already have it laid out what your week looks like. I could pull out your calendar on some of you and say, and know exactly what you're doing tomorrow. Here's my challenge to you. Put down in your calendar, stand on the Word. Then go to Thursday, Friday, I'm standing on the Word. Come Saturday, I'm going to stand on the Word. Come Sunday, I'm going to stand on the Word. Put it on your date. Put it in your calendar. Make a conscious, intentional decision to stand on the word. Amen. Lay the hand on your neighbor's shoulder. Father, bless them. Touch them. Be with them. Keep them. Holy Spirit, let this word be a reminder to them that God's Word is forever and ever. Holy Spirit, don't seal this Word yet. Let this Word permeate in their hearts as they leave this place tonight. Let them drive home with the mind that I'm going to stand on the Word. In Jesus' name, amen. Give the Lord a hand clap. Uh, once again, Torrance did a fantastic job tonight. Let's just give him another hand. That was such a good word tonight. We love you all and so glad and honored you were here tonight. Go in peace, and we will see you again Sunday.